0: Turn your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. What I'd like to do is read the first 11 verses from where we'll take our message this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, and Timothy our brother, to the church of God which is at Corinth, with all the saints who are in all Achaia, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also abounds through Christ." Now, if we are afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effective for enduring the same suffering which we also suffer. Or if we are comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. And our hope for you is steadfast, because we know that as you are partakers of the suffering, so also you will partake of the consolation. For we do not want, to be, do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened beyond measure, above strength, so that we despaired even of life. Yes, we had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead, who delivered us from so great a death, and does deliver us, in whom we trust that he will still deliver us. You also, helping together in prayer for us, thank, that thanks may be given by many persons on our behalf, for the gift granted to us through many. The first chapter of 2 Corinthians, we see a very personal letter written. And oftentimes when we read this, it's hard for us to understand. Paul is speaking heart to heart with the Corinthians. And there are many things historically and contextually here that are difficult to understand for perhaps a casual reader. But there's one thing for sure. In these first 11 verses that we've read, the main context, even though it's an introduction to the epistle, is that of tribulation, is that of suffering, is that of trial and trouble. A casual looking at these verses show that. In verse 4, Paul says that God, who comforts us in all our tribulation, he also speaks of those who are in trouble in verse 4. In verse 5, he speaks of the suffering of Christ. In verse 6, he speaks of being afflicted. In verse 7, he speaks of partakers of the suffering. In verse 8, he speaks of being burdened beyond measure and above strength, despairing even of life. And so the context of this introduction has to do with tribulation or trials, as we commonly call it. The scripture teaches to us personally that we are to respond in a certain way to tribulation regardless of its, of its source or regardless of its type. Peter says in 1 Peter 4 that we should not think it strange when we do suffer, when we are in tribulation. James says in James 1-2 that we should count it all joy when we fall into diverse or various trials. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, we have perhaps what is a more particular response that we as Christians should have. For this response or these responses which we will see deal in the realm of ministering one to another. How should we respond to tribulation, to trial, to distress in the realm of ministering one to another? The very example of Paul as he was seeking to minister to the Corinthians. So I believe what we have before us is a very instructive passage for groups of believers, for churches, for New Covenant Baptist Church, as God brings us through trials, which He will, as God brings us through tribulations, which He will. How do we respond? What is God's purpose in it as we are seeking to minister one to another? First of all, in verse 3 through 7, Paul expresses this first response that we should have as Christians one to another as we seek to minister in view of the tribulation and the trial it is so prevalent. And we could say, first of all, that that response is one of ministering comfort. Paul says, first of all, in verse 3 through 7, that our response to tribulation and trials is that we should be ministering comfort one to another. He begins in verse 3, in the first part of verse 4, by saying <clears throat> that the source of comfort comes only from the Lord. If, in fact, there is true comfort and assurance and encouragement, it can only come from God. He says again, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulations. And, brothers and sisters, that's a blessed promise. The fact that the source of our comfort is God and the fact that in all our tribulations, it says in verse 4, that He comforts us. Scripture is full of verses which testify to the fact that God is a God who comforts His people. The, The psalm that we so all love and know, Psalm 23, in verse 4, says what? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil. Why? Because thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. And throughout Scripture we see that God is a God of comfort over and over again in the book of 1 Thessalonians. And I think one of the sisters here mentioned this about the everlasting, excuse me, 2 Thessalonians, everlasting consolation of God. Look with me in 2 Thessalonians, chapter 2, in verse 16. Paul's prayer for the Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians two sixteen. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and our God and Father who has loved us and given us everlasting consolation or comfort or encouragement and good hope by grace comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. God is a God of comfort, Paul begins to tell us in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. He is the source of comfort and he comforts us in all tribulation. Now, brothers and sisters, it's a fact that we will be in tribulation of some sort or another. How are we to respond to this as we seek to minister one to another? Paul goes on in verse 4 and tells us we should be ministering comfort to one another. Look with me in verse 4. Who, God, comforts us in all our tribulation, that... Now, the King James, or the New King James, uses that, and it's trying to express purpose here when it uses this word. Why? That we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. The truth here is that as God comforts us, then we are to comfort others with that very same comfort He's comforted us with. And this is how the body is to respond in the midst of tribulation. He goes on in verse 5 to say, For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation, our comfort, also abounds through Christ. Where there is suffering, the God of all comfort is going to comfort. And we're being encouraged here to then comfort one another with this very same comfort that He's comforted us with. The comforted become the comforters, if you understand what I mean. Brothers and sisters, you have gone through trials and tribulations, and we all do. And God has comforted you in those trials. And God has comforted me in those trials. But we need to comfort one another. For today, the trial that I face may have been the one that you've been comforted in yesterday. And I need to be comforted by you and likewise me to you. Paul goes on and gives an example in verse 6 and 7 of this, if you will, the ministry of comfort. How should we respond to tribulations as we seek to minister one to another? First of all, to minister comfort. He goes on and gives an example in verse 6 and 7. Now, if we are afflicted, Paul says, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effective, effectual, for enduring the same afflictions which we also suffer. Or if we are comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. And our hope for you is steadfast because we know that as we, or excuse me, as you are partakers of suffering, so also you will partake of the consolation. Paul is saying that God has comforted me, and perhaps Timothy is speaking of here, in our affliction, and now we're able to comfort you. We're able to minister comfort to you. Another example found in 2 Corinthians, in chapter 7. Turn with me, please. 2 Corinthians 7, verse 4. Paul here says that Titus was used of God to minister comfort to himself. Great is my boldness of speech toward you. Great is my boasting on your behalf. I am filled with comfort. I am exceedingly joyful in all our tribulation. For, indeed, when we came to Macedonia, our flesh had no rest, but we were troubled on every side. Outside were conflicts, inside were fears. Nevertheless, God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us by the coming of Titus, not only by his coming, but also by the comfort or the consolation which, with which He was comforted in you when he told us of your earnest desire, your mourning, your zeal for me, so that I rejoiced even more. Paul here, by example, is saying that Titus ministered comfort. Why? Was it just because he came and we saw him and we were joyful because he came? No, he was ministering the comfort that he received of the Lord while he was with the Corinthians. Scripture encourages us, exhorts us, that in the midst of tribulation... As we are seeking to minister in a body, we are to minister comfort. 1 Thessalonians says that we should be comforting and edifying one another. Let's go back to chapter 1. Second of all, a second response that we should do, or we should respond in a certain way in the midst of tribulation as we seek to minister one to another is found in 2 Corinthians 1, verse 8 through 10. Paul says in verse 8 once again, For we do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, of our trouble, which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened beyond measure, above strength, so that we despaired even of life. You know, sometimes we are surprised that the Apostle Paul is human and that he, too, was in distress at times and despaired even of life. But you see, when we have biblical characters such as Paul and others, they were really human, and they really faced the same thing that we faced. And we can be encouraged because the God of comfort saw them through. In verse 9, Yes, we had the sentence of death in ourselves, that, again, a purpose clause, that we should not trust in ourselves, or rely upon ourselves, or depend upon ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. The second thing that we see as shown forth in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, uh, purpose or how we should respond in the midst of tribulation as we seek to minister one to another is that we should be not trusting in ourselves, but relying upon God. You know, a trial or tribulation as we call it, by definition, by its very nature, is something that we cannot deal with, right? A trial a tribulation by its very nature, by its very definition, is something that I cannot deal with. If it were something that I could deal with in my everyday life, it wouldn't be a trial. It wouldn't be a tribulation. And God brings us over and over and over again through trials, through circumstances, through tribulation, to remind us that the Christian life is to be lived depending, relying, trusting upon Him. And brothers and sisters, I need to be reminded that often. We all need to be reminded that often. We always have our problems of relying upon God as we all know when things are so smooth, when there are no supposed tribulations or trials. But we see here, the second way that we should respond is this not trusting in ourselves, but in God. Not relying upon ourselves, but in God. And we see, in fact, in verse 8, how Paul expresses the trial that he was in. Now, this is probably referring back to the persecution that he received, uh, perhaps in Acts chapter 19, when he was at Ephesus and feared of death. But we see the way Paul expresses himself in verse 8. And verse 8, in a sense, is a good way to describe what a trial or tribulation is. It's something that what? In which we're burdened beyond measure. I cannot bear up to it. That's what a trial is. That's what a tribulation is. It is something that's above strength. I cannot handle it. It is something that at times we despair, even of life, over. And this is where Paul was. But yet, what was the purpose in that? It was to show him that he couldn't trust in himself but he had to rely and trust in God. God, again, places us in circumstances where we have no other way to turn as his children but to him. And we can all say, thank you, Lord, for doing that. Scripture says, excuse me, Hebrews 11, 6, without faith it is impossible to please God. And Scripture, by example, teaches over and over again, in fact, even in the life of our Lord Jesus Christ, that in the midst of tribulation, especially, and in fact in our day-to-day life, we should be relying upon the Lord. Let's look at an example of that. It's found in First Peter chapter 2. An example of our Lord Jesus Christ. First Peter chapter 2. Verse 21, For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow in his steps, who committed no sin, nor was guile found in his mouth, who, when he was reviled, did not revile in return, when he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously. What did the Lord Jesus Christ Himself as our example do in the midst of suffering and trial? He continually committed Himself to the Father. He continually relied upon the Father. He continually trusted in the Father who judges righteously. And brothers and sisters, that's what trials and tribulations bring us to. And again, we can thank God we can thank God that He is actively saving us. I often say this in, in the uh, Sunday school class that I teach. But isn't it a glorious truth that God is actively saving us? That in fact, at some point in time in the past, that we can say we're saved. But that right now, He is actively working in our life. He has not just cast us into the wind to let us do the best we can to make it on our own but he is actively saving us. Showing us once again that we need to rely upon him and trust him. Let's go back to 2 Corinthians. There's a third thing mentioned here as a purpose of tribulation or if we turn it around as a way in which we should respond in the midst of tribulation and trial especially in the realm of ministering one to another. It is found in verse 11. You also, helping together in prayer. I like the way the King James puts that. (laughs) Helping together in prayer for us, that thanks may be given by many persons on our behalf for the gift granted to us. Another response or another purpose in tribulation as we seek to minister to one, one to another. How should we respond? We should be helping together in prayer. We should be coming together in prayer. You see, Paul's confidence here primarily was in the fact that the God of mercy, the Father of mercies and the God of comfort was seeing him through these trials and this persecution he was going through. But also he was encouraged By the fact that the Corinthians were helping together in prayer, that they were praying for him. And, brothers and sisters, this is the third thing that's expressed here in this first chapter, telling us how we should respond in the midst of trial and testing as we seek to minister one to another, that we should be helping together in prayer. Again, we see God's purpose and design in this. God's purpose and design in allowing and are causing these things in our life so that, that we do get together as brothers and sisters and that, in fact, we do become intimate and in fellowship we go to the Lord and beseech Him together. In Acts chapter 2, turn back there if you'd like, we see that this was a practice, a common practice of the early church. Of all the things that they list, of all the things that they is recorded that the early church practice as it met together this is one of the thing acts 242 and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers turn over to acts 12 chapter 12 verse 1 Now about that time, Herod the king stretched out his hand to harass some from the church. Then he killed James, the brother of John, with a sword. And because he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to seize Peter also. It goes on. And in in verse 5, what did the church do? In this strong trial of seeing a brother killed and Peter... When the apostles put in prison with the intent of having him killed, what did the believers do? In verse 5, Peter was therefore kept in prison. But serious, fervent, constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. His very true statement that trials and tribulations drive us to our knees. And again, We can thank God for that. And in the context of ministering one to another, it should drive us to our knees together, helping one another in prayer. Turn over to 1 Peter chapter 4. One more example. The book of 1 Peter, its main subject perhaps is suffering. And in some concluding remarks in chapter 4, what does Peter say? 1 Peter 4, 7. But the end of all things is at hand, therefore be serious and watchful in your prayers. Or perhaps, therefore be serious and watchful for the purpose of of prayer over and over again God again is using trials and tribulations in our lives that in fact we may be helping together in prayer let's go back to Second Corinthians three responses here in 2 Corinthians 1, or how we would, should respond as we're seeking to minister one to another in view of the certainty of tribulation. First of all, minister comfort one to another. Minister comfort one to another. Over and over again in Scripture, <laughs> the example of examples is always used. Paul himself says, Follow me, for I follow the Lord Jesus Christ. We're studying in Titus that the older women should teach the younger women things which are proper for sound doctrine. Same thing here, brothers and sisters. We need to be ministering one to another, comforting one, to, one another. God has seen me through some things and He's seen you through some things. And those two paths may have not been the same. On your pilgrimage, you have went through certain things that I need you to comfort me over, that I will face. We're tempted in the flesh to be just as Paul, and in fact, that's the way we are, to be distressed, to be discouraged, to look only inward in trial, to kind of grin and bear it and say, well, I'm trying to count it all joy, but oftentimes we forget that we should be serving one another in those times. Paul says, and Paul teaches, that we should be ministering comfort, the very comfort that God has comforted us with. Second of all, he says that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God, who raises the dead. You know, if you're a a structured person, if you like to have things a certain way and I remember several weeks ago Brother Jerry sharing that sort of his personality was that way and and Greta laughed at that because I'm the same way you know one of those rib uh, hits you get when you hear that but many of us are that way we like to structure things a certain way and we won't plan for everything we plan you know everything you go on vacation with me I've got everything fire extinguishers toolkits, you know, everything I'm prepared And many of you may be that way. You try to prepare for anything, but unfortunately, even though those things may be good, that bleeds over into areas that it should not. For when trials come, what do I do? Trust in myself and my plans or in God? You know, there's an interesting verse here in verse 10 as we think about this. What does Paul say? Paul says that God is the one who delivered us from so great a death. And the King James says, and does deliver us, and whom we trust he still will deliver us. Past, present, future. You know, the fact that God has delivered us in the past is our present peace and assurance that in fact he's going to do it today. And furthermore, that he will still do it in the future, Paul says. Even though the same Paul is the one who says, I was distressed, even to the point I was fearing of life. Isn't it glorious truth that God is sovereign? I think back to the message that Brother Norm shared with us uh, several weeks ago. The fact that each and everything God uses in our lives to conform us to the image of Christ. And this is one little aspect of this that we're looking at today. That in fact the world is not running off in the universe and that God is running behind it trying to patch it up and straighten it up and put it back on course, but the fact is that we serve a sovereign, almighty God who in fact has purposed and planned everything and the assurance of the fact that he is now working in our lives and that, believe it or not, the very things that are happening now is this what's supposed to happen <laughs> because he has planned it and purposed it so. And yes, even those trials and tribulations that you may be going through now. God is faithful. In the past, He's proven to be so, brothers and sisters. And He will be. He will still be, Paul says, in the future. In conclusion, that we should be helping together in prayer. Tribulations, as we seek to minister one to another. How many opportunities do we disobediently miss when we should be praying with a brother or sister who is in need, who is going through trial, helping together in prayer. You know, in the book of James, in chapter 5, it says, if anybody is suffering or afflicted, let him pray. If anybody is cheerful, let him sing a psalm. What James is trying to say is that everything is subject to prayer. Regardless of what extremes, if it's affliction on one hand or joy and rejoicing on the other, everything is a subject of prayer. Paul says, when tribulations come, help one another in prayer. Actively seek out and pray and encourage one another in prayer. You know, there's a paradox in the Christian life that the grace of God is experienced most When we're in trials and tribulations, that the comfort of God is experienced most in trials and tribulations, and in fact, the presence of God is experienced most in trials and tribulations. My word for us this morning is that we look at those corporately as an opportunity to minister one to another. Let's pray.